Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Shokum. Frenchie is here. Happy Friday. It is Formula One summer break, but that does not mean that Oscar Piastri is trying to make sure that we all actually have a break. But before we get there and before we recap last weekend, let's give a shout out to Java House, the best coffee shop in Indianapolis. But don't worry, if you're not an indie and you love cold brew, go to javahouse.com, use promo code PITLANE10 for 10% off your order. Thank you for all of the support online for Java House already. If you're in indie, go to one of their stores, tell them that we sent you. I don't know if you get a 10% discount for that, but like, let's just pretend you do and see what happens. Uh, and... If you are planning to go to a, a Java house store in the next week, let me know. I have some free coupons. If you listen to this and want one, just send me a message and I'll meet up with you somewhere. If you're weird like me and don't drink coffee, they also have really good tea we found out uh, yes. last weekend. So go for that. There's like a mango tea that I had that was really good and probably going to get absolutely skewered for not drinking coffee because I know that makes me the oddball but i just don't i don't know why i don't like hot drinks i guess you could drink iced coffee yeah yeah you just you just you just drink their cold brew yeah but the the tea is very good i did have one the next day after you did so that's uh, all right well enough enough about caffeine i need a lot of caffeine i am i am so tired i'm literally recording in the dark right now because light is just too much for my brain to handle that seems like it would make you more tired, though, right? I don't know. I just don't feel like having bright lights on, on my face right now. And it's just, I don't know. Maybe I'm still hungover from last weekend. Who knows? I'm old. It happens. <laughs> That'd be a really long hangover. I mean, yesterday, I definitely did not feel great still. And yesterday was Wednesday. So, you know, that's what happens with old age. Also, that's what happens when, you know what, we shouldn't go there. If you want to if you want to know the, the debauchery of Saturday, the PLP Saturday night, you can just ask one of us but Frenchie you're gonna lead the rest of the episode so I'm gonna turn it over to you okay so Hungary was once again I think not the most entertaining of races but I also feel like I just love that track for some reason the elevation changes are so cool to watch it's got some really cool turns but I don't know. Within recent years, I think there have been some memorable passes. Do you think we had any of those this past weekend? I don't think there was any like, oh my god, this is memorable sort of passes. I think compared to some years, this was a much better race at Hungary than it's been. 
granted, I watched it Sunday morning after being out until very late Saturday night, so my my memories could be skewed, but it was pretty fun. Like I I enjoyed it. I mean, I did not enjoy. Uh, well, I did, there were some things I did not enjoy, but I think for the most part, it was a more memorable race than we typically typically get at Hungary. I think the part that stands out to me is not necessarily Max winning from 10th. It is that Ferrari once again just seems to be throwing it away. Mm-hmm. I think at this yeah. point in the season with the lead that Max has, which is something like 80 points, I think it yeah. is. Maybe, yeah, it's almost a foregone conclusion, I think, that unless something weird happens, he's going to win. Max could DNF three races in a row and still lead the championship. I was, I heard, or I read somewhere, I don't remember, that the last time, like, adjusted for the point structure, yeah. someone overcame a gap this large was 1976 when Hunt overcame Lauda's gap, and Lauda was in the hospital for several weeks. So... That's the kind of madness we're talking about if we want Charles Leclerc to basically catch up. And and can we say I've I've been saying this well for more than just the 2022 season. And I don't really care, you know, there there are Ferrari strategists who probably should not be Ferrari strategists. But the the the, the buck stops at Mattia Bonotto. If Mattia Bonotto got his head out of his rear end, and said, "Hey, we we need to get our shit together here. We we might, you know, stand a chance at not screwing things up royally for the fourth time in four weeks. But instead, he's just sitting back twiddling his thumbs, like, yeah, we did a good job this weekend. So like, and that was not an Bentia and Bernardo impression, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> just realized halfway through it might sound that way, but it's I, like I, almost a Yoda voice. <laughs> that's a that's a host's really tired voice." But I think at this point, the Mattia Bonotto experiment has failed, has failed miserably. He should not be a team manager. He's proven time and time again he is incapable of being a leader. And listen, say what you want about Christian Horner or say what you want about Toto and being divas and drama queens and whatnot. But that's how you lead a goddamn team in F1. You stick your neck out there for your team when you need to. You might cause a little bit of drama, but that's why their teams are consistently the best year after year after year after year for the last 10 years or more, 12 years at least now, because they're really good at what they do. Yeah, you might make a wrong strategy call once in a while. Nobody's perfect. Ferrari's made a wrong strategy call for the last six years since since Vettel became a Ferrari driver, and you could probably look back even farther than that, but... Okay, I've been rambling on now. I'm sorry. I'm not going to defend Mattia Bonotto, but let me also just say that the Ferrari of old, sort of before Jean Todt came in, their policy is when somebody didn't have success pretty quickly, they would just fire them and basically wholesale change the organization. And I don't think that was a useful strategy. So... Bonotto's approach of being a little bit less of the blame culture and a little bit less of just like, let's sack people if we don't do well, I think is a good thing overall for that organization, but it also hasn't appeared to work that well for them recently. Yes. Uh, quick side note, if anybody hears a dog barking outside, it is not my dog. There is a very angry neighbor's dog who's making a lot of noise during our recording right now. What's next? 
Is it, is the dog just outside? I think so. I don't know. It's it's the neighbors that you know. I don't. You know, we don't question. Oh, yeah. you know, we don't go there. Gotcha. Okay, so let's get into. I think in chronological order. This has been a pretty crazy week. I didn't feel like this all happened in one week, but then looking back at the news, we had a lot of news. Like there was a ton of stuff. Before that happened. we get there, predictions. Oh yeah, we can do that. So we both had a dismal week. Yes. Yes. In predictions. Um, my picks were Lewis, who finished second. I mean, he actually has more podiums now than Leclerc has on the season. That's... Uh, God. Okay. Um, then I picked Ricardo, who probably had one of his worst results of the entire season right before going into the summer break, which can't be good for his mental health or... Job security. Mental state. Yeah, that too. But we'll get to that. And then I actually picked Lance Stroll, and he finished 11th, which, I mean all things considered, wasn't too bad. Especially because he got punted by Ricardo. <laughs> and then your picks, which Leclerc let you down. He finished sixth. No, Ferrari let me down. Yeah, well, that too. Um, Magnuson you had was 16th. And then Zhou Guan Yu was 13th. Because Alfa Romeo is just, I don't know what's going on there. But so my average finish was 9.3, which barely in the points if we're going to look at it that way, and yours was 11.6. So, pretty awful. So, before before we get to the news, and I know I've talked about this a, a couple times, and it, and it is starting to pop up in silly season stuff here and there, not by anybody super substantiated or anything, but Alpha Towery. I know we say, like, Aston Martin's the most disappointing team, or William, you know, Alpha Romeo's disappointing. To me... Alpha Towery before the year, or even like last year, you were saying was on the cusp of a top five team. Top five, top six, easy. And notwithstanding Gasly's you know, kind of sort of lucking into his win two years ago, they've been, they are dismal this year. Like, I think they are, now that we're in the summer break and I've sat back and, and looked at the results this year, they've got, what, maybe 16 points on the season or something like that. They have 27 points, okay. so they're they're eighth in the point standings. Yeah, and I know it's not a meteoric drop from sixth or seventh last year in the standings, but from a pace perspective, Gasly was consistently in Q3 last year, for the most part, always in Q2. It's been three or four of the last four or five races where he's been eliminated in Q1, and... Yes. Sonoda has zero points this season, I think. Sonoda has no points this year? No, he's got to have lucked into it. Oh, just kidding. No, no, never mind. He has five points. Yeah. No? Wait. 11 points, sorry. but Yeah, that's... so 11 and 16 points is, is pretty dismal, and they don't show any pace for the most part. When they do show pace, they crash into each other. Like at, was that Silverstone? They, they When Sonoda spun... When Sonoda spun Gasly. Sonoda did something stupid this week in Hungary, too. I don't remember what he did. But he spun. He might have gotten... He might have got punted. I don't remember off the top of my head already. But I just want to call them out because I know they kind of go under the radar as like, well, they're just the Red Bull Junior team. But they're both of their drivers. And obviously, you know, we are Gasly fans as as much as we can be as as media but 
and definitely not a Yuki fan, but they are by far, to me, going into the summer break, the most disappointing team. If you were talking about like expectations versus reality, have to be up there for disappointing. I don't think you're wrong there. I'm looking at the point standings table for the teams, and what's blowing me away is the difference between third in the championship and fourth. So Mercedes has 304 points. That's only 30 behind Ferrari, which is weird to think about. But then Alpine in fourth has 99 points. That's a massive gap. It just shows you how good those top three teams have been compared to the rest. Yeah, and and it's not even close. You know, we we didn't expect Haas to be amazing, and they've maybe even outperformed expectations to a very, very small degree. We didn't expect a ton out of Aston Martin. We didn't expect a ton out of Alfa Romeo. We didn't necessarily expect a ton out of Alfa Tauri, but to be off the pace as much as they are, the la- especially the last month, you thought, okay, maybe they'll contend here and there around the Alpine range. You know, Alpine is consistently in the the what eight, six to six to ten range in the, in the standings on a on a weekly basis. You thought, all right, you know, yeah. you'll be in the six to twelve range, eight to twelve range, and sometimes they're 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 not anywhere near that. Let alone if there's a sprint race, Gasly will break a front wing or get punted or something. So you can already take points away from them for that round. But we are pretty sure that they're re-signing Yuki for next season from everything that we've heard. Yeah. I'm I mean I I would put somebody like Liam Lawson in that seat or Yeah, I think Liam Lawson would be a good candidate or Logan Sargent. I don't know if he's he's the F, he's leading F two right now, right? Um, I don't know if he's leading the season. Maybe, but he's connected to Williams. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just conjecture. I'm just BSing at this. Although point. that doesn't mean anything, yeah, I guess it means actually, nothing based on what we've seen yeah. in the last week. Uh, Felipe Drogovic is actually okay. leading the okay. championship. Where is Sargent? He's third, actually, uh, behind Theo Porcher as well. Okay, my man Theo. Uh, yeah. All right. Oh, Theo. Yeah. Yeah. Get that right. Otherwise, I'm gonna have to fire you for mispronouncing somebody's name. Apologies. Yes. Don't apologize to me. All apologize right. to all the loyal people who make sure we get names right every week. Fair. I don't want to let you down. Continue. Okay, so let me get into, I guess, the silly season now. In order of how we saw things go down. So I believe that it was Monday that Alonzo and Aston Martin announced that Nope, uh, he's not going to sign an Alpine deal as expected, not even that one-year deal. He's actually going to replace the retiring Sebastian Vettel and team up with Lance Stroll. And I honestly think that this is an amazing signing for Aston Martin because if you want someone to really test Lance Stroll, like to really have someone to compare to and to finally say kind of maybe once and for all, is he good enough to be a team leader? Which I personally don't think he's good enough to be a team leader. I think he's a solid Grand Prix driver who's not, he's not bad, right? He's not unqualified to be there. I just don't think he's really 
he's definitely not championship material. I don't really picture him ever winning either. So, so I'm we're we're talking nicely in a weird way about Lance Stroll and that like literally is like blowing my my mind this morning, but I didn't think about it that way and the mechanics of the move he made are still pretty shady, but I guess you'll probably get to that in a minute. But from a driving perspective, oh, yeah. yeah, as much as I would like to see a young driver in that spot, I mean, Alonso is outclassing our buddy Esteban Ocon almost on a weekly basis, definitely outscoring him for the year. They're not friends. Yeah, they're that definitely was very clear from the opening. Definitely lap not friends. Hungary. Yeah, he. I, I can tell you, Fred is not part of the Estes Besties fan club. But <laughs> yeah, okay, continue. So I'm going to just kind of give my thoughts on this because we know that Alonzo has a very, I would call it, fragile ego. And so what I think happened here is basically Alpine wasn't giving him enough of a you're the best ever, um, kind of sucking up to him. We really need you back next year. You know, they were kind of playing around like, well, we can give you a one year contract, although he wanted to. And then almost treating him as like a, a seat warmer, so to speak, until Oscar Piastri comes in. Because I guess they're thinking about Fernando Alonso in terms of his age. I mean, the man is 41 years old. And although I think he wants to continue to defy the laws of aging, I don't know how much longer that will be possible, but we'll see. So I think his reaction was, you know what? Screw Alpine. I'm really wanted by Aston Martin. They came and wooed me once they saw that I hadn't signed this contract yet. And they're able to basically tell him, hey, we have these resources to invest and we're on the way up. So maybe this is where you want to end your career. And they probably have a lot of money to throw at him too, which doesn't hurt. What do you think about that? So, I mean, no offense. He's very good. But at this point in his career he's holding the place of a younger driver, whether you call that a seat warmer or uh, one year, a year by year basis until he wants to retire. You're holding the spot of somebody young. There's no way around it. You need to accept it. That's just life. And I'm not saying that makes him a bad driver or anything. There are plenty of, I mean, look at Tom Brady. He's like a hundred years old and he's going year by year and he's still dominating every year. So, you know, that level of, skill is still there for Fred, but also don't get any delusions that you're going to sign a five-year deal and, and you know, win championships. You're probably not going to win a championship for Aston Martin. You might do better than, you know, next year as the, as the car progresses. Sure. You might contend for a top five once next year, but I feel like he's a little delusional in where he is in his career. Oh, uh, of course. I mean, I think if he was in a good car, he could probably be a consistent winner. But he's shown over many years that he tends to make the wrong decision uh, in switching teams. So maybe I will be completely wrong and Aston Martin will go even further down the grid next season as he joins them. Because that's what happened with Ferrari, McLaren. Whenever he switches teams, they tend to just sink. Yeah. But this caught Alpine by surprise, big surprise to them, apparently, because it sounded like, according to them, 
that Fernando said what he made a comment about it would take 10 minutes to sign a deal at the end of the hungry <laughs> yeah, weekend. Yeah. And Otmar said the same thing. Maybe he meant it would take 10 minutes to sign a deal with Aston Martin. (laughs) (laughs) And his words are still true. But I don't know. The man is a crafty guy. You got to give him that. He plays games with everybody. And it makes sense because I believe his driver manager is Flavio Briatore. Probably one of the sneakiest snakes that has ever been around F1. Yep, yep. He's a scumbag. They go perfectly together. But so this leads me to... The Oscar Piastri news. All right, so Alonso's gone. Well, perfect. Now Alpine can put Oscar Piastri in that seat. And they announce him in that seat. And then he pulls what we're going to now call an Alex Pillow because <laughs> he did it first and says, nope, I wasn't part of this. I didn't say I was joining you. Um, it's not going to happen. I'm not driving for you next season. And the thought is that he's going to McLaren Zach Brown. So look at Zach Brown playing both sides of the Atlantic with the same strategy. Impressive. Very impressive. He's going to have, it's going to be a signature move. <laughs> Zach, please, please go to my Twitter and look at the driver lineup for 2023 that I posted with like everybody at McLaren, because that's what it feels like right now. And listen, I can't predict how it's going to play out. I have heard that getting rid of Ricardo, if, if Ricardo play, it, does his driver option for 2023 buying out Daniel Ricardo is a mega expensive task for McLaren. Apparently I don't know numbers, but it's probably close to a full season salary that Ricardo would get. So, you know, that's, that's a lot of money. You know, I guess I get it, but then you're, then you have to go with somebody young to kind of, you know, keep the keep the old budget in in somewhat of a, a line there. I know driver salaries aren't part of the like the actual budget cap. I just mean actual money in general. But hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle Nineteen Sixty Nine. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado just beginning or have never even heard of paddle or padel as it's called in North America. This is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the pro tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. 
From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pitpass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts. Man, this is exhausting. A, exhausting. B, fascinating. And C, there are so many ways this could play out that I think Piastri and McLaren still makes the most sense. And notwithstanding, that also puts Alex Pillow in a really awkward spot because he was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to F1 next year. His lawyers were like, yeah, he's going to F1 next year. Now where is he going? There's not th- there's not three seats in a, in F1 in any team. It's not like McLaren's going to loan him out. No, they need a junior team at this yeah. point to fill with all the drivers they've told are going to get a seat. He's going to go he's going to end up in extreme E. That would be pretty tragic. Yes. But so let me again kind of interpret what I think happened here. Because I know that while they were going to keep Alonso or while they thought they were going to keep Alonso, Alpine had not cut a deal, but I think it was thought to be in sort of arranged that Piastri was going to go for Williams, take that Williams seat that was going to be vacated by uh, Nicholas Latifi. But they were definitely caught sleeping by Alonso's switch to Aston Martin. And while they claimed to have this option on Piastri, who was not too keen on going to Williams, his management group. I think his manager is Mark Weber, actually. Yeah. Who also happens to be managed, I believe, during his F1 career by Flavio. Um, is there a connection there? Did maybe Flavio tell Mark, hey, this is going to happen at Aston Martin, so make your move now? I don't know. I think there's a lot of underworld dealings going on because Alpine really screwed this up. Right, They thought they had someone they didn't have. Now their second choice they thought they had, they may not have either. And I'm, I don't trust them to be a, a competent basically anymore in interpreting the contract dealings that they had with Piastri. But can we trust Zach Brown to be competent in dealing with looking at contracts? Because we know what he said about Alex Pelot's Ganassi contract. I would hope that he wouldn't make that mistake twice of not actually looking over the contract. <laughs> fair uh, i right? i see your point about kind of shady backdoor dealings listen this is formula one it's extremely political would i be remotely surprised if there was some wink wink nudge nudge text messages going on about yeah hey uh pay attention in the next 24 hours and get your guy ready not at all i wouldn't i'm not gonna say it definitely happened because i don't i don't want to be quoted as saying that but is it possible is it a possibility oh hell yeah well this all happened like all kicked off on august 1st which we know tends to be in motorsports a date that isn't very important for if you haven't picked up the option by then you may or may not be free to go talk to other people alpine 
seems pretty sure that their contract with Piastri is watertight. But my question for you is, is this a bad look for Piastri to do this? I mean, Alpine brought him up. He was an Alpine junior driver. Does this, you know, does this damage his reputation in any way? Does this taint him in the paddock? Well, you know, there's one big difference between Alex Pillow and Oscar Piastri. Other than the obvious, like, ex- you know, physical experience. Pillow's won a championship. Pillow's won races. Pillow's contended for podiums on a near weekly basis for the last two years. Piastri is a reserve driver this year. Not even in a car. And yes, he did win multiple, you know, F2. I think he won an F3 championship. Euro Cup, F3, and F2 yeah, in a row. Yeah, thank you. Three years in a row, he won championships. But he's still not in F1, and F1 is a lot more. They don't they don't give you the the time of day like other forms of motorsports. It's the toughest form of motorsport to get into. You know, there are so many good F2 or uh, in, you know, other drivers who deserve to be in F1, but we all know deserve has no place in motorsports. It doesn't make a difference what you deserve. But it. I don't want to say it damages his reputation because he's young. Likely he'll get a spot next year. But I think what it does is puts a lot of pressure on himself because he's going to be like, if you're going to McLaren, you're going to be expected to perform. You know, Zach Brown's not going to wait around and, you know, be super pumped about rookie mistakes. Like, yeah, here and there. Sure. But all in all, you're going to be expected to contend for points for the most part especially when you get this cocky attitude and say, I don't want to race for that team next year. Right. So it, you have a seat and you turned it down, right. turning down, turning down an F1 seat. is just, God, I mean, who, I don't know. I, I don't like it. I, I think it's not, I think it's a very childish thing to do, but if he performs next year, all will be forgiven because it's all about what have you done for me lately in motorsports. So right now I don't like it. It's not a good, definitely not a good look. Has he like irreparably damaged his reputation? Probably not, but it's definitely not good. My other question, kind of the flip side of that coin is would Alpine really even want him back if they end up winning this battle with McLaren? Like, do you want, a driver who doesn't want to be at your team, won't that be such a toxic work environment that it's not worth it? I mean, maybe, but you also have to think about like, okay, if let's say they win this battle and, but they don't want Piastri back. There are also limited options in terms of who's available by the time they might win this discussion. You know, guys will go to, you know, resign in F2 or resign in IndyCar or WEC or IMSA or whatever. So your your opt the longer this goes on, the more limited. So you you might just have to go. All right, listen, it's October. We've won the contract battle. We can decide if we want Piastri in the seat or not. You know, we should just do it because it's getting late in the game at this point, and we need to firm up the rest of our next season plans. So I think. If this is decided in like a week, yeah, they could tell him to to kick rocks and and you know we'll look elsewhere. But I think the longer this goes into the off season, and I don't know how long it will actually go, then it will, you know, it is what it is. So does McLaren just choose whoever's legal battle is over first to go <laughs> to that F one seat? <laughs> 
Yeah, I, dude, I don't know. McLaren, McLaren is, they are something this year. Wow. So I don't know if you, how well you remember the 2004 going into 2005 contract dispute that Jensen Button had. Not at all. So basically he signed for Williams, but he, BAR Honda said, no, we have you. It was the exact same thing. And he ended up having to stay at BAR Honda for 2005. Um, but there's an interesting piece of that is somebody involved now is a common thread between both of these cases. Briatore? No, I'm sure he was involved somehow. But uh, actually, Otmar was like the VP oh, of Honda Racing at the time, back in 2004. So he was in the same almost position of, my driver wants to go somewhere else, and I don't want to let them. Jesus. I, I, I kind of feel for, for Otmar in this case. He's he's just trying to do the right thing and, and get his team in a good place, and his drivers are being extra assholey this year. Yeah, it's not been fun, probably for the inside. Alonzo seems to be enjoying it. Like, based on his Instagram <laughs> posts and all that kind of stuff, he just, he is a different breed. I, listen, I am that. here for the Fred trolling. It is pretty funny. Oh, it is. He, he loves to just have these mental wins on people and show you that he's more clever than you. I mean, that's his favorite thing to do to teammates, too. So it'll be interesting to see how he and Lance Stroll get on, and Lawrence Stroll, for that matter. But maybe talent kind of wins out over personality differences. <sighs> yeah. Man, what a All week. Right. Yeah, so that's the crazy stuff. But in more normal news, Williams announced that Alex Albon's back for next year. Good for him. So that was easy, and he, I think, played it up pretty funny. Like, yeah. yes, I confirm that this is going to actually happen. It was pretty clever on his part or whoever. I think we all have driver media. announcement PTSD. Yeah, I unfortunately, that driver announcement almost went completely under the radar because of just the insanity that's going on. But I think it's good for Albon. He's shown that he's he's pretty solid. I mean, I don't think he's shown the same performance that Russell showed at Williams yet, but... It's a different car, so... Yeah, I think he's not doing any damage to his career. Here's a question I saw for... Oh, I, I forgot about trivia. All right, we'll close the episode with trivia. Sorry, Cody. Uh, Actually, I'm not sorry. Some people are saying Albon deserves you know, the Alpine seat or a seat a little bit further up the grid. Agree or disagree? Um... I don't know. It's hard to tell with him. He's he's one of those drivers that I can't tell how much talent he has because his junior career was not as stellar. I mean, he finished third, I believe, in F2 behind, what was it, George and Lando in that season, whatever year that was. Yeah. And he did pretty well at, what was it? I guess it was Toro Rosso then. So, and, and people tend to say, I've heard other drivers say that he's underrated. So I think he deserves a better seat than the Williams, but to be the team leader at a Formula One team, I mean, there's only 10 people that get to do that. Yeah. I, I think he should be pretty happy and grateful, you know, that he's the clear number yeah. one at that team. And I'm not saying this was, you know, he's not happy and grateful because I think he is, but 
Yeah. No, he seems like a good dude. I would have liked to see him be teammates with Ocon because I think he is better than the leader of Estes Besties. I yeah, I think so too. I think Ocon's long-term deal that Alpine signed may be something that they end up regretting a little bit yeah. like the Ricardo situation at McLaren right now. Yeah. Okay. Do we have any other news? Should I get to trivia? I have I think one or two other things. Just little quick things. Um the Red Bull Porsche announcement, the official announcement is going to happen. Everyone says it's going to happen. It's pretty much been confirmed but it hasn't been confirmed the announcement keeps getting delayed and apparently this is due to an issue with like some of the rules of course right that porsche wants to have always figured out before they get in right yeah they they want to know how many hours would be allowed for engine testing they want to know what the material used for engine pistons all that kind of stuff they want to switch to aluminum apparently for pistons so I don't know. So they're like haggling over these details and kind of delaying their announcement because of that. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to say it's official until it's officially official. So because we've seen we've gotten burnt by by that a lot in the last month. So, yeah, that's fine. Cool. Good point. And the last thing I have is not really even F1 news, but Lewis Hamilton is now a part owner of the Denver Broncos NFL football team. That's cool. Good to see him. Yep. I think it's cool when drivers get involved in other sports teams in, in some capacity. You know, when sports kind of mix like that is really cool. I don't know much about the Broncos other than that they exist and they're blue and yellow, uh, blue and orange, orange. uniforms. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah. I don't, I don't really know who's on that team other than than russell wilson but we won't bore everybody talking about football go listen to hickey and lighting's new football podcast when that comes out i don't think the first episode is out yet but go listen to the mouth guard podcast when it comes out they can talk about football. do it do yeah. it yeah do it okay are we ready for trivia yes all right so for a there this is there are two two correct answers for this one a, dri- a driver who has won his first season championship. Of all the drivers who have won their first season championship, who has the most wins within that season? So within their first championship season. So you mean they won their championship in the first season they drove in F1? No, their first championship. Oh. And how many races did they win in their first championship? So think, like, this is a fake example. Like, Vettel, his first... Uh, Red Bull Championship, he won nine races. Like, that would be the record. Mm-hmm. How many mm-hmm. races did each driver win? I can I can give you... Uh, I'll give you two hints. One happened in the, th- in the 2000s. One happened in the 90s. And they both have the same number of wins in their first championship season. Okay, so then I think it was Mansell 92, probably. Nope. What? In their first championship, then? Who else can it be? Uh, oh, was it Schumacher 94? Also, nope. What the hell? Who won their first championship in the 90s that would have had that many wins? It wasn't Villeneuve, I don't think. Villeneuve with four in 96. Four wins. Oh, you're talking. I asked you that if it was the first championship. Yeah, I said the first. Or the first year. 
not the first year, just the first championship they've won. Okay, hold on. So you're asking me how many wins they had in their first championship? Yes. So like Mansell's championship, his first championship was 92. How many wins did he have that year? I'm not asking about Mansell. That's not, I know, but so like, for example, that's what you're asking me. Okay. Um, First championship. I mean, I just gave you the one answer. Was Villeneuve? Yeah. How many did he win in 97? I don't know. 96, you mean? No, then I don't. I still don't understand your question. Oh, well. All right. Because I thought you meant how many... He won one championship, and I thought you were asking me how many wins did he have in his first world championship season, Correct. which was 97. No, not his first world championship season, in his first championship, when he won the season championship. How many races did he win in his season championship season? In 1997. Uh, I have 96 written down. Damon Hill won the championship in 96. Cody Cody may have given me bad information here. Okay. And he won, I'm pretty sure, more than four races. All right. We're leaving this one out. <laughs> Cody Brace sucks. I think he won, he won four races in his first year in 96, I believe. Cody Bray just got a text message that that trivia sucked. So... Who cares? Screw you. <laughs> Screw you. What was the other answer supposed to be? I'm already off of it. It was Hamilton at some point. Oh, so he won a lot of races in 2007, his first year. I have four written down for that one, too. Who the hell knows? Okay, so yeah, then it would be the first year they got into F1, not the year of their championship. Well, this tr- this question is poorly worded by Cody, then. Yeah, that's why I was so confused yeah. by it. Okay, yeah, that, that now makes sense. Because he, I mean, Villeneuve won, I think, four races in 96 and then went on to win the championship in 97. Lewis won four races in 2007 and then went on to win the championship in 2008 with I don't know how many wins. All right, well, screw trivia. <laughs> Everybody have a lovely weekend of racing. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.